0: Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. This week's guest is Suda Rao. Suda is a senior validation engineer who has nearly 10 years of experience in the biomedical and pharmaceutical industry. He predominantly works with equipment that manufactures medical devices and healthcare products. Currently, he's working on a point-of-care diagnostic test for the HIV-1 and HIV-2 retrovirus. He has lots of experience in project management and has managed many projects throughout his career. He has a degree in mechanical engineering from UCD, a biomedical engineering degree from Brunel University in London, and a master's degree in project management from UCD's Murphur. In this episode, some of the things we discuss are what his day-to-day actually looks like, favorite parts of the job, and the lessons he has learned throughout his career. Without further ado, let's get right into the episode. Suda, uh, thanks for joining me on the show. Really you're, appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome, Dom.
0: So yeah, I guess the first question I have for you is like, what's kind of what do you currently do?
1: So I'm a senior validation engineer and I work in the biomedical device industry in Ireland. So predominantly what I work with is equipment that manufactures medical devices and healthcare products. And the current product that I'm working on is a point of care diagnostic test for the HIV-1 and HIV-2 retrovirus. So um, to go into it further, so... What I've been doing in the lab pretty much since university has been in the biomedical, pharmaceutical, healthcare industry in various various different engineering roles. So that can be from operations engineer to utility engineer to a quality engineer to a validation engineer. Mm. So what that all uh, supports is we're making healthcare products for everyday people. So I've worked on products from infant formula. Which is for the very small, um, right the way to cataract lenses for the elderly or for heart valves, um, HIV diagnostic um, um, rapid device kits at the moment. so biomedical and, and pharmaceutical engineering, especially in Ireland and worldwide is is quite a diverse range and in fact, in Ireland we've got twenty five of the uh, the top twenty five companies worldwide have operations in Ireland. Mm.
0: Ah oh, cool. And like, um so where, where what how long do you work as an engineer?
1: um how long have' I been working as an engineer? Yeah. Um, I'd say pretty much since the age of 25, so about nine years now?
0: Oh nine years okay. yeah, and then where did you do your education?
1: So I was born and brought up in Dublin. Okay. Um, I'm the first generation children of immigrants from India who yeah. moved in the late seventies and mm-hmm. um, I went to UCD and studied mechanical engineering. And then I went to London to do a postgraduate degree in biomedical engineering at Brunel University, um, which is an engineering college. And from there, I came back to Ireland uh, at a very difficult time in 2009, just after the financial crash. Mm. So there was a lot of um, people my age um, the kind of recent graduates kind of having to move overseas. Um, jobs were limited in Ireland. So. I went and did a, um, a master's in Smurford Graduate School of Business and Project Management thinking that I would leave the engineering field, but it actually helped me out quite a bit. It's probably one of the best years I, I ever had uh, in college, and it gave me a real better understanding for work because everything you did was in a practical and team-based and group and environment so it improved things like my communication skills um people management project management data analytics and also how to communicate to people um so afterwards i did uh, my master my thesis my master's thesis in how the biomedical device industry works with procurement in the irish hospital sector Mm. so that was doing interviews and getting data and analyzing the kind of legal and contractual obligations that you see between hospitals like temple street and you'll have even big um, pharmaceutical companies like siemens and then after that i was lucky enough to get a graduate um, program placement with uh, a u.s um, healthcare and pharmaceutical company and i was with them for the next four years in a diverse range of roles um, both in a very in various different plants in ireland domestically and also internationally So it's kind of very similar to some of your interviews where you're in a new, you're in a new role in a new plant, in a new site, in a new part of the country every six months. Mm. And then um, that can be in Ireland or that can be overseas. And then afterwards, I took on the role of uh, a validation engineer uh, with that company and then subsequently went into management roles within validation engineering. Mm.
0: And, like, what kind of made you choose to be an engineer? Like, did you always want to be an engineer? Like, what kind of, in school, like, what did you want to do? And what helped you make the choice to become an engineer?
1: Um. Well, I'm one of the kind of very weird people compared to a lot of my friends because I actually <laughs> knew what I wanted to do from a very oh, young age. okay. Yeah, pretty much from the age of 14, I wanted to be not only a mechanical engineer, I wanted to be an automobile engineer. Um, yeah, I was the kid that had the Top Gear magazines back when people bought magazines, um, a family friend of ours actually uh, in Malaysia was the general manager of Citroën. So when I was mm. about 12 on kind of like a family holiday, he'd yeah. show me around like the showrooms. And yeah. I really got into how, I loved how things work, loved Lego, the very kind of typical things that kids in the 90s had. Yeah. And then I, but I, it became more focused around kind of 15, 16 transition year. I think one of the best years I ever did. I was very lucky to do that because I got to, try different subjects but also different sports and then the work experience I really liked. I did all three weeks of my work experience at Bullsbridge Motors, which is now MSL Motors. So that was me for three weeks working with mechanics on cars from Volkswagen's to Audi's to Mercedes-Benz. And you would think from watching Formula One that it's all pit crews and changing tires. It's that, but it was also mechanics who were dialing into cars with laptops and cars that could diagnose themselves and cars that could um, be taught program could be taught this again was kind of very early now you see it within the automobile device in the automobile industry how advanced cars are and i really um, talked to the general manager saying to him i'd like to be a mechanic and Mm. he said the difference between you and a lot of the people I see here is you don't want to fix or repair. You analyze and find out why did something break and you want to design and build a newer system that doesn't break. So you're a mechanical engineer and I really took that to heart and I picked my Leaving Cert subjects in physics, chemistry, applied maths, which were my subjects in first year mechanical engineering. So, I was fairly focused from, like, a young age in fifth and sixth year mm. on it. In fact, I I think at the time, the big focus on engineering and teaching, the, um, the Celtic Tiger was in full swing. Um, there was big money coming in civil engineering, structural engineering especially. And so I applied. I was terrible to my guidance counsellors because they were... Um, very kind to me and asked me you should think of other careers and different professions and I was very razor focused on one um, and then I that's what I, I, I thought I'd be an automobile engineer up until my second year of university um, where I would do um, internships I did have one first year I did one second year and in second year I did an internship as a pharmacy technician at Our ladies' Children's Hospital in Crumlin which is the National Children's Hospital, and would also have the National Children's Cancer Ward as well. So, when I was in working in, I was I was in the pharmacy. I was making drug boxes. I was working as as, as like a porter as well, and delivering them to um to the to the wards. Obviously, fully checked by the pharmacists. But I started asking questions. So you'd think, you know, in a children's hospital, what's in the pharmacy? Calpol, Rennie. cough bottles, and then I saw. A drug called Viagra and I went why are they treating children with Viagra and I went well it was never designed for what you think it was Suda um, the active pharmaceutical ingredient of uh, or the trade name sorry I should say Viagra is uh, sildenafil, and it's actually used um, to treat uh, pulmonary arterial hypertension in children it was never intended for the purpose that everybody thinks that it was marketed for so that got me really interested in in terms of machines and how things work on the human body. Uh, as I said, I never did biology in school. Um, mm. I never had any interest in going into medicine. Mm. Um, and then in my third year of university, <coughs> I got an internship between UCD and Texas Tech University. And when I landed in Texas Tech University, first of all, You you couldn't imagine the scale of universities like the size of just the mechanical engineering building was bigger than the engineering building at UCD Um, and it's you know it's you've seen films and that whole college like the football stadium is a hundred thousand seater. It's bigger than Croke Park or Lansdowne Road and they put me into the mechanical engineering department into the cardiovascular fluid mechanics department and they gave me a... My first day my internship gave me a pig's heart and a scalpel and says, I want you to cut out a mitral valve. So... That was wow. Mm. That was me taking up biology and and having (laughs) the textbooks and, and working on kind of having a steady hand. But um i started to slowly kind of move from automation into biomedical engineering i think the perfect example being um the human heart uh it's essentially it's a two-stroke pump same as a motorbike engine and um when you look at how a piston moves and uh, delivers energy it's the same what a heart does between your mitral valve and your tricuspid valve and um that your mitral valve and your aortic valve um and from that, I brought um, the project work back to UCD and did it as my final year project. Um, based on that, that's the reason I went to London, was because I wanted to, A, see things from a different perspective. Um, biomedical engineering was very much in its infancy at the time in Ireland, um, kind of the late, kind of mid to late 2000s. At the time, we only had bioengineering, which was predominantly orthopedic looking at bones in fact i was only able to do bioengineering as a final year elective but in the uk it was it was quite established the same in the united states and it was growing quite a bit so the reason why i went to london was um it had a dedicated teaching hospital so i would come from a medical background my my mum's a doctor um who's was an obstetrician and gynecologist and then did an mba um later on in her career and was the Quality manager at our ladies' children's hospital in Crumlin. So, I knew the value of patient interaction, and that's what when you're people ask you, like, what job satisfaction is, it's very easy. I can kind of see it every day when you look at people who either would have um, like a pacemaker or heart valve, or or some people even have hearing aids, and that's what really got me into doing biomedical engineering. Um, and then, like I said, I'll, I'll kind of, I've kind of backtracked a little bit, but I'll move forward to, to getting my um, graduate placement. And so that took me to a variety of, of different roles of learning as an engineer. It's a re- I, again, I come back to your earlier interviews, I'd highly recommend a STEM subject for um, students that learn because it gives you that very logical, mm. um, direct way of thinking. So for me, I'd be a very visual person. So I always learn by drawing or by writing. Even when I'm thinking out a process, I will take a blank piece of paper and draw out the problem, write out the problem. Um, same as kind of like my, even like making lists. But for me, it's it has to be where everything is structured and laid out and um, visually it's me to make kind of good decisions. And so that's where I went. Uh, that kind of led me to the graduate program.
0: And you said you also did, you also did a project management training and you're currently working as a product, project manager also mm-hmm. like it's kind of different you know mechanical engineering then you go to more biomedical and then you're doing business stuff as well yeah like what kind of draw you towards a project management
1: well for me in in in, in project management um, coming from my master's was it's it's you need to have i had very um, specific technical skills mm. But there's no good in making a product if you can not sell it, market it, uh, improve it. And then you have to be also be able to have things like quality control and compliance and quality assurance. You have to be able to defend to uh, auditing bodies and governing bodies why you've made something the way you have and is it safe. Mm. So the project management um, masters and then later the project management work I did now, it also just gives you that kind of that lateral thinking so it's not about making one component let me let's take a look for example uh these headphones in my hand so an engineer will purely look at the design and how to make the technical know-how of how to make something this um small deliver it but then you do project management you're like well how do you make a system that makes a hundred thousand of these on a production line at a hundred a minute that can then go into logistics distribution get onto a plane get Mm it in multiple markets around the world so project management gave me a much more keeping that engineering core but a much greater business uh, discipline because it's one thing to make something from scratch into grams like a new drug development another thing to take it from grams into kilos kilos into tons then make tens of tons of it every day 365 days a year consistently that 100,000 tons of a specific drug or product is just Mm. as good as the first gram you made it it's just as safe it's just as compliant it does the exact intended function and it's you know built as if intended for my family would be kind of a slogan we would have had
0: Hmm. and um like what do you actually do on your day-to-day basis like what what do you do currently in, in your job so like what does your day-to-day look like so
1: my job my day-to-day job uh looks like um randomly commissioning and qualifying uh, equipment processes and systems for the manufacture of um biopharmaceutical products pharmaceutical products and medical devices, mm. and diagnostic kits. So um, projects that I would manage would be things like tech transfers. So tech transfer is where um, we are, my company is acquiring a product and we're going to make it in our site. So what I would do is I would go over to the site that we are taking this from or mm-hmm. duplicating. And I understand how their manufacturing process works. And then I build that over at our site. So that's everything. It's not just building the equipment or buying the equipment and commissioning it. It's the laboratories that it's in. It's the manufacturing floors. It's the warehouses. It's the documentation. It's the training. It's the raw materials. So this is where you're getting into how you make something safely, consistently, repeatedly at a very high level. It's manufacturing engineering. So that can be so that can that would be for large projects. Small projects I would work on would be um we we, we need to upgrade equipment. Um we'd have a lot I would work predominantly in a lot of automation. So right. for example, there are things now um projects I would work on would be things like um automated guided vehicles. They're called AGVs. So what they essentially are they're automated forklifts that have no driver are completely pilotless and they can read off things like barcodes or you would have case packers and um, pouch formers that can work purely based on robotics and sensors and the machines talk to each other and the machines print out reports and the reports are countersigned by a human so you have things like machine learning and then you've got analytic um, uh, instruments as well Um, things like HPLCs gas chromatography equipment where you as a human are giving the decision over of to a machine to make to make a choice whether it accepts or rejects um a product um in a process so one would be um a weight checker so we manufacture a a device That goes into a hermetically sealed pouch that's been Mm -hmm. air tested, that it can survive in a container ship going to Ethiopia or it can survive in in minus 20 degree air freight going to Russia. And a weight checker will go and take that um, device and it will either, if it's not meeting an acceptance criteria, it'll make a decision to accept and reject it. Now, it's got to be able to do that 24 hours a day at 100 parts per minute and never make a mistake. So it's the maintenance of the, those um, systems, the design and, and acquiring of those systems is where project management kind of comes into play. And specifically in validation engineering, we look at from what we call the V model, which is from a URS, which is a user requirement specification. So This is where I'm kind of writing, I need a process to do X. So what is what does that fully entail? And then I give that to vendors who will then tell me, well, I've got a machine that can do X for you mm. Just at the very beginning. And then I will take that machine, I'll bring it onto site, and I'll qualify it, I'll test it. So I'll do what's called an IQ, which is an installation qualification, and then I'll do an OQ, which is an operational qualification. So I'll test it at the upper and lower limits. And then I'll do a performance qualification where I use it to make live product. And then that's what we call the validation lifecycle. So everything that you see, even in this room, um, the process i'm talking about they can include things like the watch you're wearing or the headphones that you make they're all the machines that make those systems or the processes and the people that's all validation engineering
0: well there's there's a lot of there's a lot of factors involved in your job and like what would you say are the key skills uh, that that anyone needs in order to succeed
1: I think definitely um, having an analytical mind, but also having lateral thinking. So that means is that you can look specifically at um, as an engineer be able to be able be able to understand an engineering drawing and something very Mm -hmm. technical, but then also be able to communicate that to someone, say, um, an FDA auditor, Mm. or a financial controller, or a CEO. Um, being able to have technical skills but also being able to have very good communication skills. So one of the things that I would have learned in undergraduate um, would have been you should be able to draw your idea on the back of a bar napkin. Um, like the analogy from my dad's time would have been doing calculations on the back of a cigarette box. Uh, Is being able to communicate very simple, very complex ideas very simply and clearly. Hmm. Because in any validation project, there are multiple stakeholders. So this is where a lot of your project management training comes in. You have to do risk management. You have to do stakeholder management, portfolio management. You've got operations, and you've got um, finance as well. So it's making sure that every every all stakeholders are being um, equally catered to at the right levels. And then it's it's targets. It's can you deliver the project on time, on budget um in a safe and compliant manner and that's where you get to the soft skills like uh, as i said well, like auditing where you have to go and defend your work mm-hmm. so you i i will everything that i've said to you in the life cycle of one machine or one component will be documented in what's called a validation pack and that'll make the rationale of why i did what i did um that'll include things like mathematical sampling so um so coming back to the machine of the pouch tester, we'll, we'll make, uh, I did test that I can make uh, 100 parts per minute. So I'll make three batches of 15,000 parts. And I will burst test. I'll destroy 500 out of them from the beginning of the lens. So that's using statistical sampling to show that, um, and then documenting all that to show that you can make a process that makes a device or um, any a, a product that is safe repeatably all the time and an auditor will go and open that and their job is to tear that apart and say why did you make those choices why did you Mm. select this how do you ensure that it's safe it's that so that's Mm. where you get into very um auditing regulatory kind of the more quality end of manufacturing um that's what i enjoy about the role that it's a mix of very technical um hands day-to-day engineering with a good mix of business, Antonio. and then you've also got things like standards, practices, law, regulatory, auditing. So mm. It was quite diverse.
0: And it's like, obviously, parts of any job, there's parts that you don't necessarily enjoy doing. Uh, what are those parts for you? I
1: think sometimes... Uh, any validation engineer loves the detail. You like you have to be passionate about the, the, the... I know I specifically talked about equipment, but that can also be processes as well mm. and, and people. But I think some, it's, it's things that... Waiting for invoices, sending emails. It can be an awful lot of the day-to-day minutiae. Because you, I, one thing I really uh, enjoy about the job is... Um, you have a finished product. You mm. can see, I still get that buzz. It's almost mm-hmm. like when um, a new ship is built and they break a bottle of champagne off the side of it. It's fantastic when a new product or process kind of launches. When a new drug's there, because you can see it in the market, the downs. So that kind of, the downsides of that will always be the the small, the the small stuff. But that comes in any kind of, um, in any kind of job. Like I said, it can be it can be finance, it can be Excel calculations, it can be it can be um, trying sometimes even with your ideas of you have to sell them to competing departments, which is uh, which is really interesting because you're all in the same team, but everybody um, uh, is keeping each other um, on the same page. So for example, I would have uh, different questions from my regulatory department compared to my operations engineering department and it's trying to match both stakeholders. Mm. But no, they, the, 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 the buzz is, is is definitely outweighs as well because you're... Um, it's just me personally or the vision I'm in, I like, I've always liked making things.
0: And You can just point at something and say, you know, I built that. That's me.
1: Built that. Or, yeah. you know, you can see it. One thing I, I realized, so I said, I've um, when I was working in making infant formula, mm-hmm. I love the fact that uh, one of the great things about Ireland is we've, for years, um, we've produced some of the best food in the world. Um, so now we're producing some of the best pharmaceutical and healthcare products in the world. So the same people who thought that they could make um, cheese are now making whey protein or infant formula. And um, you can go to any shop in the world. I love uh, when I'm overseas, say, in the States, and I'll walk into a Walmart and I can go and there is a can of infant formula um, that I'm, uh, a parent is picking up. And on the back of it will be a irish flag mm. or uh when you see um uh the contact lenses that my friend is wearing and you can look at them and say you look at the back of the packet and you can say i helped build a process that made that so it's everywhere that you're around you or you know i a lot of my my um my friends, parents, and my parents would be of an age where they're starting, they're living longer. They're starting to get things like uh, heart valves and um, new knees, artificial knees, artificial hips, and they're becoming more kind of commonplace. Mm. Um, I think it's relating it to the personal as well. I think that sometimes, I've never been a big fan of the abstract. So um, engineering was always kind of my thing more so than maths or pure science Mm -hmm. um, because I like the applied nature of it. Um, so a really good example would be um, my my granddad on my dad's side was a type 1 diabetic so how he got his treatment was he would have to go to a clinic in a, in a big city 3-4 um, times uh, a year get his bloods analysed, it would take a week to come back and then my grandma would have to go and get a vial of insulin and take a syringe and inject him every day because he couldn't control um, what the regulation were. Sometimes she would overdose them, sometimes she would underdose them. So my dad so, um, is uh, a type 2 diabetic. It's genetic. Uh, but now when he takes his insulin, he has a pre-dosed plastic pen where he takes the cap off and has a syringe. and All he does is adjust the nozzle to the exact dosage And he can just the exact dosage because he has a small analyzer about the size of a a mobile phone. Mm. And he just takes a little prick of blood from his finger and puts it into the analyzer and immediately it gives him what his blood sugar is. And then he can set the dial exactly to that dosage. Mm. And he can do it himself. Doesn't need anybody else to help him. So that's the exact same uh, process with the exact same patient Using, well, it, it's, it's, it's insulin medication, so it might have refined, but it's still the exact same raw material. Hmm. But look at how it's been optimized within one generation. My dad goes to the hospital about once a year, gets his medication from the pharmacy around the corner, fully free, paid for by the government. So that's a good example you have, in terms of um, uh, being able to, to relate things. You have to be a visual person i i find so anyway
0: just to see the outcome mm.
1: absolutely absolutely and you can see it everywhere it's everywhere, everywhere around that's the kick i get out of anyway from, from manufacturing engineering but mm. coming back to your, your kind of question uh, on project management uh that's each of these processes um each of these projects they'd be small or big or sometimes they can be small clusters of projects that all connect it's it's understanding your end user so for me it's not someone abstract like a mathematical model or um, a contract or a sale uh, it's it's being able to tangibly see something physically
0: hmm. and you've obviously built um, a lot of things throughout your career what would you say is the most kind of um, the achievement that you're the proudest of or is that one thing that you built and you're like oh I did that I'm so proud of it is there a thing that you know is there a thing like this for you
1: um yeah i think there's there's definitely when you when you look back on it it's uh it's it wouldn't be a speci- maybe not a specific like you always get the end result results because you're constantly building a, a new um a new equipment a new machine or you're doing software upgrades so a big thing in validation engineering at the moment now would be computer computer systems validation mm-hmm. so that's where if we're going to give machines control to make decisions and um but yeah at the end of the day they are making they're making products that go into people so you've seen like robots now make uh cars over the last kind of 25 years mm-hmm. automated welders and cars have a very important role in keeping people safe. So, one of the ones that I've really enjoyed has been probably um, in about a two year period doing high level automation. Because the one thing where you get your business uh, side is how do companies in Ireland or in the West stay competitive in manufacturing with um, companies globally? Because we do live in a much more globalized society, and there's something more globalized you see than healthcare products. Yeah. Um, why is it that? So, the, uh, it I find the automation and robotics to be a very interesting piece. So, if you look, for example, the products I'm making at the moment now, um, I'm working on now. I said the HIV one retrovirus, um, diagno- rapid diagnostic kit, or a point. It's called a point of care kit. It's the same as the blood analyzer talked about by my dad, but now it's free you take the same bit of blood with a wash serum, and you can easily diagnose whether you're HIV positive or not. Now the customers that we sell that to aren't like people who can go to a pharmacy and buy them. They're HSEs, they're health service um, government bodies um, predominantly in Southeast Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. They need to be able to diagnose people on a mass level because the clear, once you're able, it's like a census, once you're able to diagnose or get numbers and valid data of how many people are ill then you can work on things like supply chain of drugs and logistics and distribution. Mm. So again, this is where your project management comes into play. Something that you've looked at very technically, like this analyzer will have much bigger much bigger um, implications. So if I knew, if I was in a sub-Saharan African country and I'm able, you it might be difficult for patients in rural areas to go to clinics or to uh, field service hospitals. But if you can make... Um, products that they are able to do at home easily understandable easily explainable then that data is um, invaluable because people are more are more likely to um, be more comfortable taking treatment at home in their own in in their own care
2: Mm.
1: so for me one of the regimes has been is how things like robotic automation has been able to lower drug prices and has been able to let us manufacture um on a much greater scale um so that more people irrespective of their socioeconomic position can take a kind of veil of uh better health care
0: mm. mm. that's super interesting um, what was i was going to say oh yeah so if somebody like let's just say i want to be an engineer yeah i'm, I'm in college or I'm, I'm in school yeah like what advice would you give to someone um to an aspiring engineer i guess like Mm. like how how you know how do you know if it's actually for you if it's not for you yeah like what kind of advice would you give to people
1: i would um anybody who's aspiring or understand to be an engineer i think now with videos like youtube Mm -hmm. and also i couldn't i would definitely uh, highly recommend uh, internships um because you know, at least then you get to try whether you like something or don't like something. Yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of a, a of a big thing. Um a lot of people who um go into engineering it's a really good applied practical um base. Mm-hmm. Um some people really, really enjoyed the uh, the finance and the business um aspect of it and some people really like the more the classical and the fundamental areas of it and some people like me are kind of like halfway through um you see a lot of people uh in uh ceos and directors of companies will have um engineering undergrads and business postgrads
2: Mm.
0: yeah i mean that's that's good advice and um you mentioned before the interview that you do swimming yeah um can you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah, so um, I I swim and I do uh, triathlon. I'm in uh, a triathlon club. I, I would have done various kind of sports throughout kind of like, like school, um, yeah. um, athletics in school, swimming quite a bit. I um, just what I really like about swimming, um, whether predominantly open water swimming is. Um, it's a really great mental health outlet as well because um, you, if you're a pool, you're open sea, I just really like the, just the feeling of being in the water, the feeling of being kind of weightlessness, and it's being able to swim, being able to swim fast. Um, I love open water swimming, what you can see when the weather is gorgeous as it is now. Um, I suppose I love swimming in a pool as well because you, you, you can't listen, well, I don't, uh, listen to music. Um, you're just looking at blue tiles and you can't hear anybody around you. So you can just focus on. Um, I do a lot of my good thinking actually in the pool because you're staying at a blue tile for about an hour, mm. doing maybe about two thousand meters. So it's uh, it's real. it's it's one thing I've always really 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 enjoyed anywhere anywhere I've kind of been in the world. I've always tried to like swim.
0: Mm. And obviously, the ultimate kind of um, goal of uh, triathlons is probably the Ironman, I guess. Did yeah you consider doing Ironman or have you done Ironman no I haven't okay. I
1: haven't I haven't no no I'm de- definitely building something I would build build up to um uh I've done uh in fact I'm doing typical engineer I'm doing everything in in three phases in <laughs> feasibility so uh I streaming would be like my strongest suit and running would be my weakest yeah. so last year i did the glendalock uh, open water race swim which is the iron man distance which is 3.9 kilometers so it's basically three laps of glendalock lake um so i know i could do that i was really happy after doing that and then this year i'm doing the dublin city marathon um which i'm very scared about <laughs> in like 17 weeks so, uh, and been training for that. So, I want—I would like to do it, but I'd like to be able to do. If I know I can do everything, each segment individually, so kind of relates back to the engineering. I look at each individual element, and they're all working. Then I can tie them all together. But no, uh, triathlon—it's—it's it's a great sport. It's doing well in Ireland. We um, live in a really beautiful country. It's a great way to see Ireland. Going to races, yeah, absolutely, going to see yeah. different parts. Um, a couple of my uh, club mates were doing a race recently in Donegal and like when it's, you can see some of the most beautiful parts of the country.
0: Yeah. I mean, so you're, you definitely see, you, you definitely see yourself doing the Ironman at some stage.
1: Uh, I would like, like to at some In how stage, many yeah. years
0: would you see yourself doing it? Because it's a very big commitment. Like I've, I've seen, like I've seen YouTube videos of people doing it and like they took out like four, four hours each day or more just to train for the Ironman, and that this well, it's could a be perfect like example months. of project management. <laughs> yeah, apply that to Ironman.
1: Absolutely. Um. Oh, I I'd, I'd probably say um, realistically within uh, five years. Five years. Yeah, it's a very but would within five years. I think that's where uh, I'd need to to go to for it. But it's it's the training and it's the commitment as well. Yeah. Um. That's why I've kind of really got into sports. Kind of. I was going really into school and then more so in maybe the last four or five years, um, like a lot of people, I got to college. And it's a big reputation at the time in, in engineering. Um, we used to work really hard because a lot of my other friends who did different degrees would have had maybe, say, less than 20 hours of lectures where we were full on. It was just before semesterization. So it was, yeah, we worked hard and played hard. So definitely... Um, I'd recommend to anybody to to take up any kind of like sport, individual or team, because from a mental health and and, and well being perspective, I I definitely wouldn't have gotten as good levers results if I hadn't been um, doing competitive sport.
0: And hmm. um, one of the previous guests I mentioned, you are great cook. Uh, <laughs> could you tell us a little bit about that? What kind of stuff do you cook,
1: or what? How often do you cook? Well, I cook every day. Yeah. So, well uh, i cook every day um i've been i've been into cooking uh pretty much since transition year oh that's,
2: that's yeah that was one of, <laughs>
1: that was one of my that was one of my things i kind of took up um kind of uh i did kind of home ec as kind of like my kind of elective and really just kind of got into it it's hmm. um i my dad was a good cook. he was a chemist, so whether he was in a lab or in a kitchen, he'd just be like blaring out tunes and and anybody you would kind of like come to the house it would be my mum in the front, my dad in the back in the kitchen, and sit down cold beer, and he's just kind of jamming away like you see some people play music or some people freestyle um, i i yeah that's that's my creative outlet it wasn't wasn't really good at playing music, wasn't really good at drawing or art but no, cooking was my kind of creative outlet and trying different things.
0: Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And uh, I guess, what are you currently most excited about?
1: Um, Well, professionally or personally or a bit of both? Could
0: be both? Yeah, professionally, personally.
1: Um, more so personally, I guess. Personally, um, I think what I'm really excited about now is... Uh, like I said, I, I worked kind of overseas and in different parts of Ireland and it's been... And I moved back to Dublin to my home city. Mm. Um, that's been really great the last kind of like two, three years. Um, and what I'm looking forward to in the future is um, maybe maybe taking a career change, maybe seeing um, things from a different, different perspective again and um, maybe putting some roots down in the next while. Mm. So that's kind of exciting. The future is definitely very exciting. Um from that perspective.
0: Yeah. And then um, if you were to talk to a 20-year-old Suda, mm. what advice would you give him?
1: Don't take yourself so seriously when it comes to engineering and don't define yourself by being just an engineer. Um, I think uh, that was one definitely self-awareness. I was from a, I was so focused from such a young age, just have a, have a bit more fun definitely don't take yourself so seriously But uh, it could also laugh a lot you, yeah it did get me to it to where i did yeah i never yeah. uh you know listen to other guests uh, i never took a year out traveling mm. uh though i would have done like i've been to some fantastic countries i would kind of go on like a big holiday every every kind of like year mm. Um some of them have been you know i've been you know, i've been to rugby so i went to the lions tour in 2017 new zealand um last year i was at a wedding in canada um a couple of years ago i was at another friend's wedding in brazil so um they've been brilliant um but i definitely think that uh sometimes it, 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 it can be all right to uh just 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 take a break um but for me i i, I was i was just so focused that they said we need you in um to like without every six months we need you to move um and you'll be in a new site and a new plant and a new country with new people. Um, and how do you adapt? So so that was uh, that was the the sacrifice that to be made. Hmm.
0: Well I guess that's what it takes, I guess. You have to kind of stay focused to achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah.
1: You do, but there's also like you can get to you can get to a stage where sometimes you need to look at, you know, your um, your personal life, um, relationships, um, your health, your mental health. Yeah. and uh, where, where you are where you are in life as well um, like I said come back to that analogy of transition year you don't just have one transition year you have a couple of them mm-hmm. for sure <laughs> a couple of them and that can, can be quite good
0: yeah it's funny because like when you mentioned like mental health you know like exercise and eating well mm. like I feel like if you don't do these things you're not going to perform as well at any job absolutely so like they, they should be your number one priority and your job should be kind of second and uh, like yeah what are your kind of thoughts on that
1: oh well i couldn't agree more that's why i'm uh, i'm into to sport and yeah. into cooking um it's but it's also it's not just it's it makes me perform better as as a person hmm. you know whether that be um you know with my friends and my family um by operate better I'm, I'm a typical engineer kind of talking very <laughs> technically but it is you you see yourself as sort a of machine like you are what you put in and um but also it's it, it's it's taking time to enjoy yourself so previously you know when i was um when i was in college and uh you know you're having fun you know having a lot of fun but now it's instead of like friends that i wouldn't see instead of every week now i see them every month or two months but instead of let's just meet up at the pub it's why don't we go to a game so uh i went with um never been you know i've uh, never been to a hurling game in my life so last week i went with a buddy of mine's from wexford to the all Ireland, the leinster uh, hurling final hmm. and uh wow that's fast <laughs> that is fast like like full on like when you're not watching on tv you know lower hogan co park and um i really 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 enjoyed it so i think that's the thing from a mental perspective is you work hard during the week and you enjoy yourself and you train and you eat right but at the weekend like Go to a game, yourself. go to a gig, but like that's you know, and if you're building up, like some of the best nights I've ever had have been the nights out after a big race that you're kind of um, gearing up for. Hmm. You know, always give yourself uh, give yourself goals and treats and 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 things to to, to to projects to look forward to.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And is there any, like, things that you... Is there any, like, absurd habits that you do? Anything unusual?
1: Um, oh, yeah. Well, this has actually been said to my other people. Um, oh, Where yeah. I um will talk to myself as if uh, I'm <laughs> trying to, like, be a project manager to myself. Or I'll, literally, I'll be in the shower and I... Not, like, you know, really abstract things. It'll be like, right, you need to do x now meet person y go to that Z, and then this is how x will connect to y and we'll connect to z later on
0: and you actually talk to yourself like uh, verbally like oh yeah f- f- oh. oh yeah interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: yeah 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 very it's yeah it's very 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 <laughs> abstract because i when you know you sounds like when you're you're swimming and you're alone in your thoughts and you're thinking out ideas and and it, it'll just come out can totally yeah they're more like I'll, I'll, it'll be very weird my <laughs> girlfriend also tells me so like, like, who, uh, who are you talking to in the shower? Who are you talking to? Just me. Yeah.
0: And are you a reader actually? Do yeah. you read books? Yes. What kind of books do you read and like what kind of books made the biggest influence in your life?
1: Oh, uh definitely biographies. Biographies? Oh, yeah, definitely biographies. Um And why is that? I think it's I just I've really been uh, a fan of like different types of uh, high performing people. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the and that can that can be and, and it's and like sometimes it can be the technical people, sports people. Mm-hmm. Um I've really one of the best books I've ever read in the last kind of like four years I have to say would probably be Paul O'Connell's autobiography. Um it was brilliant. Um what did you learn from that? Oh um he was uh Technical ability, discipline, um, performance management, um, emotional intelligence, um, attention to detail, hmm. um, uh, sports psychology, which, you know, in the business world would be performance management or performance coaching. And uh, again, like all of, you know, things like like big successes and, and, and games or matches would, you know, it would behind the scenes you just as a a spectator would just see the result over 80 minutes whereas you got to see the insight of how hard training would be or how difficult recovery would be or you know also he wanted to improve himself so he's constantly learning what you know you could replay the business you know what are the other countries players doing what are the new developments in sports science what are the new developments in nutrition how do i stay competitive i think a lot of high-performing um people from biographies kind of influence me because i i always try look to apply um their mindset and and, and some of the, the good attributes they have to my own life
0: mm. yeah that's the thing in the books like i really think it's like it's a bargain it really is because you can literally extract people's information yeah. like very successful people into your own head you can oh. use you can pick and choose what you want and apply it to your own life like there really should be priced like thousands of euros was like well not not they shouldn't be mm. but like they're just they're so good just get inside of you know information to other successful people
1: i very much think so i i really think that the the level especially now with um uh like professional sports Mm. um the the level of detail people are going into and especially in ireland um where we have i'm i'm still blown away that we have such high performing athletes who are doing on a voluntary basis yeah and the discipline that that goes into it, um, it, it it's behind the scenes. It, it's also how do you deal with success and failure? Like, rub off the last loss and go on to the next win. How do you improve yourself better? But then also, sometimes it's like, do you enjoy your wins enough as well? I think that was probably like uh, something that I wouldn't have had. I'd always be very hard on myself on 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 on, on professional things that didn't kind of work out, but. Uh, it's it's the lessons you learn. It's how you get more adaptable and 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 more resilient. Um, absolutely, it's it's. I, I find any kind of high performance bargains. They can be leaders in business. They can be sports people. They can be. Um, I went to see. I went to listen to a talk in UCD in February um, with Mary Robinson, um, who has a new book on climate change, and that just blew my mind.
0: What does she I never read that book actually? Like, what's oh it's about?
1: brilliant. Um um well she went from like UN Commissioner on Human Rights to now I think a UN position in uh climate change. But it's mm. not when you think about climate change and you think purely about um like fossil fuels or or recycling and plastic and a lot of it. But then you talk about things like economics, like why is it incentivized sometimes? Why are there like um why aren't there why are there tariffs on, on, on renewable on renewable energy, renewable energy development versus um, um where patents bought up by um by some companies
0: Mm. and just because we talked about performance and Mm -hmm. just optimizing yourself yeah like what are kind of the in the last five years like what's the habit kind of that helped you you know become a better person or like yeah a habit that's helped you the most in the last five years uh visualization visualization yeah
1: so that would be writing on to a whiteboard
0: so how do you how do you approach this like do you sit down each day and just visualize what you want or like how how what's your process for a visualization in in
1: the yeah in the, in the morning <coughs> first thing i'll do is, is is i'll list out what my uh, objectives are um for the day what mm-hmm. what what um, needs to be high over and then how i'm going to implement them um so i need to do i will do everything by a weighted score and then you know hit the hardest stuff first and then you know based on your performance take another project and then something more difficult later on and something easy it's it's very much i i I like to have a very focused and disciplined mindset yeah uh because then i don't get panicked i don't get flustered i you like to be in control very much so very much so but it's also being able to have the adaptability to um learn when things are outside of your con- when things are outside of your control why they are mm. so that you're you don't get um uh pressured into making the wrong decision um mm. things like patience discipline um all really really good skills, but you have to do that all with uh with a smile well, I like to think that I do with a smile on my face and I still have that passion and enthusiasm yeah, I hope that's come across in this interview, but I thankfully think that um it it you look at the end goal, and you you go home, and um, I don't know if I compare myself to the people of other professions, but you're they're going. that was a tough day, or that, that 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 meeting didn't go well. But at the end of the day, you're making healthcare products for people.
0: You're helping people.
1: Like I I always have huge huge admiration for people who are front line. Um, people, in my opinion, by frontline I mean teachers, guards, doctors, mm. um, nurses, firefighters. Like, I won't be any of those things, but if I can, you know, help in a, in a secondary way, give the tools to those people to do their jobs properly, like doctors, like nurses, like clinicians, then that's that's pretty fantastic. Mm. That's that's that that gives me quite a good bit of contentment. Mm. And also, it's it's an ever changing world. Um, in terms of how rapid our technology is going. Now you look at things in healthcare like surgeons who will pretty soon be able to do virtual surgeries to over Wi-Fi networks. Uh, we start getting into more um, advanced uh, drug therapies and treatments. Um, there is more medical knowledge in my phone for what my um, heart rate, blood rate, glucose level, everything is now than there has ever been previously compared to what my parents, my grandparents' generation have. So what will be there tomorrow or in the next 10 years?
0: Mm. And you're obviously, you come across a very driven, focused individual. Uh, do you follow any particular routine, like morning routine, evening routine, do you have any routines that you follow?
1: Yes. Um I think in the morning I would, uh, I would always have a shower in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, what time do you get up? At? I get up generally between half five and quarter past six. Mm. Um, I swim in, in the mornings before going to Is work. Is that Every morning? Uh, generally, yeah. Monday to Friday, yeah. Um, I would. Um, I just find it's a good to kind of clear head. I I bring my own breakfast. I have my breakfast in work. I bring my own lunch to work. So, I like kind of packing up packing up my boxes knowing what i'm going to make meal planning kind of the next kind of day uh when i'm, I'm going to cook that evening um I, I that kind of like structured and disciplined approach um yeah i i, I couldn't exist in a, my room's always been very clean from a young age oh yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> super need, organized everything's labeled. totally didn't <laughs> didn't need didn't need to be told yeah yeah, if there's like, I do, I'd freak out if I saw like kind of a <laughs> load of clothes. So it would be in in the like, it's 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 that uh, it's 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 from it's it's from working in 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 labs and in engineering workshops. Mm. Like if you you know, you know the sight of a really good mechanic. By, by if all of their tools are in exactly the right position, like the eight millimeter screwdriver is right beside the nine and right beside the seven, it's hung up in exactly the place and everything is clean and spotless. It's the same way with an operating theater. It's the same way in a good kitchen. Really good chefs will always have absolutely neat, cleaned, organized, polished stainless steel.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you wake up, you get a shower, you yeah. go for a swim yeah.
1: and you visualize. I visualize, yeah. I visualize you what... Set your objectives. Set my objectives what I'm going to do and then, you know, that's that's a great thing i probably about kind of... And I wouldn't have done this previously. It's only in the last kind of couple of years I started okay. kind of swimming in the morning. Um, it, it's uh, I, it's great. You can... But, you know, you're not just thinking about objectives. You're maybe thinking about uh, maybe I'll, you know, like to plan a dinner with friends at this new restaurant hmm. I read about in the paper this friday or um there's a double header in croke park next next sunday who's who's someone i haven't spoken to in or a friend of mine i haven't seen from college in about a year let's meet up and go to a game over kind of of, of an afternoon hmm. Hmm. um and then when you go in and then go going to work just it's it's i'm not in a i'm not in a fluster i'm not yeah because you're in control not going in late yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's nice beating the traffic too <laughs> <with that or laughs> oh,
0: absolutely yeah that's probably yeah because most people probably spend their time in in traffic like an hour or two hours that can
1: that can really uh yeah and that will um that will get you stressed that can get you very i've seen and i said the same when i used to come home um i was working in different counties in ireland and it's very rural counties where Mm. um there weren't a lot of people my age there weren't a lot of people um like me so i would just focus on my work um and then I would come home at the weekend, and I would really go out with my friends. So that was just a continuation of college, that kind of work hard, play hard. But um, like if you ask my mom, like you know, she'd say, you used to come home on Friday, exhausted, and incredibly angry. Mm. Whereas now I don't have that, and um, anymore. It's a very nice level. It's still it's Monday to Friday, and keep yourself in good nick, and then enjoy yourself the weekend. But it's much more evens. And it's actually, it's made me, you, you make, you, you work smarter as opposed to, to harder. You make the right choices. You can see the, the, the wood from the trees.
0: Mm. And we talked about morning routines. Mm. Do you follow any evening routines? Like, do you reflect on your day? What went well? What didn't go well? Um, yeah. Do you follow any evening routines?
1: Um, no, I've never been a big diarist mm-hmm. um, or kind of a, a recorder of, uh, of data um mainly because i do it at at work um but i yeah in terms of routines yeah they'll always always have like a a pen and paper in my hand with like a list or uh, making a list of a task i have to do or Mm. or a shopping list that i need to do or or, you know i'm you know i'm looking on youtube and maybe a new recipe i want to make for a dinner for my friends over so my no not, not predominantly on an evening routine one yeah. good habit i'm trying to do now um is uh just no screens after 10 o'clock Is mm. in because uh, if you want to get up early you need to get better sleep so yeah. just going to bed with uh with a book
0: mm. okay from
1: 10 o'clock no screens of any of any kind
0: mm. you know yeah, sleep like sleep is super important i was reading this book uh why we sleep by matchy walker yeah. and he talks about it and like you know it's scary if you don't get enough sleep like it's really crucial to your health like um you know seven to nine hours is recommended amount of sleep and what mm-hmm. he recommends is for people to go to sleep at the same time mm-hmm. and wake up at the same time and that's yeah. probably the biggest takeaway of the book and yeah like like you're doing now don't have any screen before you go to bed just yeah. read a book or something instead and you know you're obviously always kind of in control of your life, and mm. what do you do when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused? How do you approach that
1: um, Well, that's really kind of like stress management yeah um so now what I do is um things like breathing exercises mm-hmm. um, there's some really good apps uh online like uh headspace and mm-hmm. breathe and calm and it's uh i think an awful lot i've uh, channeled more of my energy now into into doing things like different classes um whether that be yoga whether that be pilates um definitely kind of seeing the, the the connection between performance management mental health and physical ability
2: hmm.
1: um previously in terms of um stress management you know i'd probably drink too much coffee, too much caffeine. <laughs> um, so I now have like kind of one good cup of coffee. Today's an extra treat. <laughs> um, there are they're, they're, they're things and, you, and you eat. that comes with age as well because mm-hmm. um, when, you know, you're just out of college, you you want to be, well, if you're a very highly focused, highly ambitious person, you want to go the ladder very fast, very quickly. Um, and, that's, and that is good, but it's the way you do it. What you do without kind of ruining relationships either?
0: And what advice would you give to a college student who's driven, ambitious, and just wants to succeed in the world? What kind of advice would you give to a college student who's about to graduate? Mm. Graduate.
1: Well, the easy thing to say would be have empathy because you don't want to go up the ladder while stamping on an awful lot of toes. Because believe me in um we live in a much more globalized society now and uh a lot of people that you think you're not going to see again you could be Mm. very surprised that you might see them again later on so i would say an awful lot of um have have, have good people management skills if you can um another thing would be is put yourself out of your comfort zone uh then you really want to start testing yourself for challenges so like one challenge for me definitely i was fresh out of college i was uh, out of smurfa i had done i had taken on a graduate um position um uh, a graduate program so my first assignment was in um uh, a plant in a very rural part of ireland uh where i was the supervisor um of a utilities uh, plant so a utilities plant that's making uh, supercharged steam in boilers and these boilers are the same as the Kettle boilers you have at home, except by the size of double-decker buses. They're huge industrial systems, and I've got a crew of eight. And my senior boiler operator has been doing his job about twenty years before I was even born. So you can't walk in and think that you're the Rolls Royce, you're the finished goods. You're. He would say to me, and I would learn from him every day is a school day.
2: Hmm
0: and I have one final question for you so let's just say there's a board a billboard whatever Mm -hmm. and everybody in the world could see this message what would you write on that billboard like what message would you would you display to the world that everybody could see
1: always try to see every side of every problem
0: and could you just explain that a little bit
1: yeah um, I think from a lot sometimes I find with uh, well I would definitely have been a product of this you'd only see things sometimes from like your perspective but it's that lateral um, thinking sometimes you just need to sit somewhere else, focus, and look back. Look back in. Um, I, I've been able to do that because I, like I said, give the, you the earlier example. You know, uh, I'm a city boy. I didn't come from kind of a rural background. Uh, so when I landed into uh, different different places, and it could be even internationally as well, uh, you have to sometimes just project yourself uh, away and look back in saying how am I how am I dealing with the situation am I seeing things from all perspectives or am I seeing things from the other person's perspective that can work not only in your personal life but also from business sense in terms of negotiations um, contract management I think that's one that I would definitely because when you're young you you just you just see it from from this side but it's where you can sit there and like look laterally and, uh, and think laterally so, kind
0: of understand what other people are thinking. Put yourself yeah. in other people's shoes. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's
1: very easy just to say like empathy and call it that, but it's a really good line from a book I did in junior cert called um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. I think the the dad Atticus says to the daughter Scout, "You got to put yourself in another man's shoes or in another person's skin, zip it up, and take a walk around."
0: Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. Well, look, Suda, it was a pleasure. We really enjoyed the conversation. And yeah, thank you so much for doing it. Oh, Thank you very much, Tom. Is there anything else you'd like to say before you before we finish up?
1: No, that's been fantastic. Thank <laughs> you very much.
0: Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it'd be pretty cool if you shared it with your friends or anyone else who you think would benefit from it. You can find all the show notes by going to the website ChasingPassion.E. That is ChasingPassion.E. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you enjoyed the episode.